Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Genesis chapter 3, and we're looking at from verse 1, I'll just abbreviate it from verse 1 to verse number 5. Genesis 3, reading from verse 1 through to verse number 5. Now the serpent was more supple than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, that ye shall not eat of every fruit of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, there's always a strategic way in which Satan operates. Satan's main strategy for attacking and defeating the people of God has always been on one particular area, which is in the area of lie and deception. Okay, the area of lie and deception. That has been the strategy of the enemy throughout history. And even in this contemporary time, this strategy has always been employed. And the interesting thing about this strategy is that it has always worked in the house of God. The enemy will come in with deception. The enemy will come in with a lie. The enemy will distort the truth. And the people of God, in most cases, has always fallen prey to this strategy of the enemy. Satan understands that the most effective lie, the most effective lie, is a lie that has an element of truth in it. Okay? An element of truth in it. That is the most effective lie. The attack on the family is now being done using women. The attack on the family. Family breakup and everything is now being done using women. The question is, how did we get there? Okay? How is the, delib- you know, how is the deliberate destruction of the family being carried out? How are they doing it in our family, in our, in our society today? Number one, they are challenging the scriptural narrative. They are saying that the way the Bible describes a woman is not fair. They are saying that the way the Bible describes women is repressive. They are saying that the way the Bible describes women is unfair to women. As such, women should not even listen to what the Bible is saying anymore. But if you sit down and you look at everywhere the Bible is the central point of reference, women's status is being promoted. And anywhere the Bible is not placed as the point of preeminence, women are being repressed. Go and look at the societies of the world and you will see that it is that is just the fact. But we are told right now, they are using women to destroy the family by saying that you should no longer listen to the scriptural narrative, that the Bible represses women. But that is not the truth. That is not the truth. The second thing, how do they use women to, to, to break up the family? They are using women to break up family by saying that women are more superior, that they are stronger. That they are better, okay? And they are insisting that men should be feminized. 
Okay, that men should be feminized. And the idea is that nobody is saying that women is weak, but the Bible makes us to understand that we are both children of the Almighty God. In other words, we are both created in the image of the Almighty God. There is no superiority, there is no inferiority. What you have is the difference of role. The fact that you have two, three, four people in a car, all of them good, all of them are able to drive. The person driving the car does not mean it doesn't mean that the person driving the car is a better driver. It just happens to be the person driving the car. It's as simple as that. If all of us are here, we know how to drive a car, we get into the car, we start driving. It doesn't mean I'm better if I'm the one who is driving. It doesn't mean I'm the one, the one that who, is more, who is more superior. It doesn't mean I'm the one who is more intelligent. It simply means I'm the one who has the key and I'm the one driving. It's a question of role, not the question of superiority. And the world have been able to convince women to believe that because the man is the one that has been given the responsibility to lead the family, that, they, that means that they are inferior. That is not true. And the Bible does not teach that. The Bible simply makes us to understand that we should respect the roles and the responsibilities of individuals in the house. We have been gifted differently, we have been formed differently, and the formation of our and our uh, the way that we have been formed by the Almighty God is the way is, is is in line with the roles that He has given us to do. So right now we are using women to tell us that women are superior and men should be feminized. And that's why there is a concept called nursing fathers right now. People who will, you will have men who will stay at home, raise the kids while the woman go to work to go and you go to the office to go and work because they want to reverse the roles. Okay, not only that, how are they using women to destroy the family? They are using women to destroy the family by insisting on role reversal, insisting on role reversal, where women are the dominant gender and we are now having what is called nursing fathers. In other words, where they say the woman should be the one that tell that that that, that 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 dictate the tune, while the man is supposed to take a subordinate role. If that is the arrangement within your family, fine. If that is how you want to do it, but that is not the way the scriptures prescribe it. So, not only that, how are women being used? We are using what is now called gender neutrality. Gender neutrality, and that means that you are not you are neither a man or a woman. Now you are just you can decide to be whatever you want to be. Okay. And this is as opposed to gender distinction. There is a reason why you have a man. There is a reason why you have a woman. There is a reason why there is a difference in the name. When you are not talking about gender neutrality, you are causing confusion. Okay? And these are some of the things that is being propagated and the whole uh, society is swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. The unfortunate thing is that there is a lot... There's a lot of women, a lot of mothers are buying into this idea. We are seeing the results of these ideas in the lives of our children and they are becoming confused. When you begin to raise a child and you are telling that child that it's gender neutral. Today John can become Jane and tomorrow Jane can become John. What you are saying is that you are confusing the minds of these little ones. And by the time you confuse the mind of this little one, their future is now being challenged. Okay, so we are seeing the results of these ideas in the life of our children and they are becoming confused. We are seeing the results of these ideas in the life of our family and the family cohesion is threatened. Families are now breaking up more and more and more every day. And we are seeing the result of this idea in our society. Look at the laws that have been passed. Look at the condition of our, of our society. Look at the criminal justice system. You will see that this is as a result of the breakdown in the family. A result of the breakdown of motherhood. That is what we're, that is the result and the result that we're seeing, and it's therefore important for us as a church to restate the importance of the place of women and mothers, not just in the family but in our culture and in our society. Now, why must we re-emphasize? Why must we re-emphasize the role of women in the, in our mothers in our society? 
Why must we re-emphasize that role in the church? The first reason is that the stability, because of the stability of the family units. That's why you have to restore the role of the mother and the father. There is a reason why there is a presence of a mother in the house and the presence of a father in the house. Because each of them bring two different aspects to the raising up of a child. If you bring, the, you, there's a need for the feminine aspect and there's a need for the masculine aspect to be able to raise a balanced child. The need for the reason we have to emphasize the need for motherhood in the house right now is because of the stability of the family units. A stable family unit for the instruction of the next generation will be lost if there are no mothers in the house. The stability of the next generation will be lost if there are no fathers in the house. And that is why there's a need for us to have that stability. And motherhood is central to that stability. Number two, there has to be, you know, why do we have to talk about mothers? Why do we have to talk about motherhood? Why do we have to emphasize motherhood? We emphasize motherhood because of the moral point of reference that mothers bring to the household. You will notice that when you come into the particular family, in the absence of a mother, certain things are not there. If you are in a family and the mother is absent, you will notice certain deficiencies. Have you ever gone to the house where there's only a man? Everything is upside down. You will never see food in the house. The fridge is always empty. There's nothing in there. Because the stability that motherhood brings is not there anymore. The point of reference that motherhood brings is not always there. Men will always see things in point and black. They will always see things illogically. Mothers will see the reason behind the reason. They see the heart of the situation. And that's why you have the point of reference. We need to talk about mothers. We need to emphasize motherhood because of the moral point of reference that they that they bring. The moral point of reference is a reference for the next generation will be erased if you don't talk about mothers and you don't emphasize the need for motherhood. And you can see the examples in, you know, in the choices that the children from broken homes, when they, the choices that they make. When the family is broken, the mother is not there, the father is not there. You look at those children and you can see the kind of decisions that they make because that moral compass is not there. Number three, why do we talk about mothers? Why do we emphasize the need for motherhood? It is because of the preservation of the next generation. The preservation of the next generation confusion in the mind of the next generation will be enlarged when mothers are not there when you notice many of us maybe if you notice you'll find that when difficult situation comes who do you call you normally call the mother because she's the one that has the perception to be able to understand what you're going through if you want a quick logical analysis you call your dad Dad, I'm in a situation right now. What do I do? My car just broke down. What do I do? The dad will tell you, take the car out, take the tires out, do this, do this, do this, and you're done. But if everything is going upside down and people don't like you, people don't want, mom, what do I do? That's the question. You say, what is going on? Talk to me. Relax. You know, they have a way of calming down. The preserving of the next generation, they, you know, is at stake if we don't emphasize the need for motherhood. Number four, the preservation of our faith. The foundation of our faith will be destroyed. If we do not preserve motherhood, how many children from broken homes do you see in churches? When the father is not there, when the mother is not there, how many of them do you see in churches? How many of those children make the right decisions? How many of those children are influenced by the wrong set of people when the mother is absent? There are some discussions that fathers have and there are some discussions that mothers have. The discussions that mothers have is the one that normally keeps the children on the straight and narrow way. You will notice that most of these kids, when they're having issues and they grow up, they say, I remember what my mother told me. 
I remember the instruction that he gave me. I remember the prayers of my mother. I remember the things that my mother did to me. So the preservation of our faith rests upon motherhood and that's why we talk about motherhood. But if we are not able to clearly define and articulate the need for mothers, if we are not able to completely emphasize the need for mothers in our house, in our families, in the church, in the community, what will be the result will be that, you know, what we'll find is that you will begin to see things go upside down. But when you take time to emphasize motherhood, when you take time to tell the role of women, the role of mothers in the lives of their family, in the lives of their children, what you will find is that confidence will be built in the life of those children. When the children know that their mother is always there, that their mother will always support them, that their mother always have their back, they have that confidence at the back of their mind. Number two, their faith in marriage and their faith in society is developed because they see what is going on in the life of their mothers. They see what is going on in their families and they see that this is what life should be. They see the confidence. They see it as a place of safety. They see it as a place that they can return to and not be judged a place where they can go to and find rest. And when they see their family there because of their the role of their mother, they have faith in marriage, they have faith in the society, they have faith in the family, and that's what preserves the nation. Number three, when we emphasize mothers correctly, what you find is that people, children are raised to have respect for authority. Because when the mother are doing the mother, when the mothers are doing what they're supposed to do, what they have, what you find is that they communicate authority, they model authority. When the mother is in good relationship with the father, and the father is in good relationship with the mother, and the two of them are living in harmony, when the children see that relationship, they understand what respect and authority looks like, and it is mother because it is mother for them in their presence. What you find is that when they go into the open society, they are able to they are able to live that same life. They respect authority because authority is modeled in the home because of the presence of the mother. And not only that, when you emphasize motherhood, what you find is that social interaction is communicated. What do I mean by that? I mean that you t- the mother is the one that actually engages the family in a conversation. The mother is the one that gets everybody around the table and gets them to talk like human beings. Because if you depend only on the fathers, what you find is that, say, are you guys doing okay? Yes. You've eaten this morning, fine. How is school? School is okay. Everything is good? Good. And the father disappears. That's all the conversation the father will have. It's not because he doesn't want to have a conversation, but that's just the way he's wired. That's the all he's going to say. But it is the mother that will tell me, that will ask the child, tell me the little details of your life. What is going on with your friends? How about that your girlfriend? How about that your boyfriend? What is going on with class? Are you having difficulty with your teacher? Your pa- your Most fathers don't have time for those kind of crap. I'm sorry. They don't have time for those kind of things. They don't, they don't have the patience for it. It's not because they're not interested, but what is it, what is it that you want to know? You go to school, you come back with an A, everything should be fine. You go to school, you go, you, you get to school, you come back home, that means there's no accident on the road, the car is fine, why should I bother you? Why should I be bothered with the details? But the mother wants to know the details. The mother wants to communicate. The mother wants to talk about the issues of the heart. And if you do that, if you have a mother that continues to do that for you, what happens is that the child learns what is called social interaction. They know how to engage people. They know how to talk to people. They know how to get to the issues of the heart. They know how to be able to relate with people. And when they go out, they become healthy individuals. They become healthy part- healthy participants in the society. They become people that others are willing to be able to interact with. They are not just people who are stuck on their phone and they are texting each other when they are living in the same house. They don't become chiefs like that because they have learned from their mothers the need for social interaction and not only that 
when you emphasize the place of mothers, what you find is that value for family and value, value for family and family values are strengthened. What do I mean by value for family? In other words, you respect family. You see the family and you are happy. You see the family and you say, this is what a family should be. You respect the idea of a family. The Bible makes us to understand that he puts the solitary in families. Families are very important because that is where people learn all the social skills and all the necessary things. You learn it from the family. The Bible, you know, so when we emphasize mothers, we, you know, you, we, you, 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 you teach children to value family. And not only that, do not just value family, but value the family values. What do I mean by family value? The family value of respect, the family value of hard work, the family values of being able to, inter- of caring for other people. The family value of listening to the needs of the other people. You learn all those things when the mother is in the house. When the mother does what mothers do. I don't know how mothers do it, but for the women here, maybe they'll be able to share the secret with us. You will notice that when there is no money in the house, the mothers for some reason will find a way to make food for everybody. How they conjure the food, I don't know. A man will look and say there's no food in the house, and that's the end of the story. He'll probably go and get crackers in the in the pantry and it's done. But the woman will find a way to make a soup when even there is no pepper in the house. You'll find a way to do things that they look at that appear impossible. These are the skills that you communicate to your children. When the children see the mothers perform miracles out of nothing, when they see the mothers do in an impossible situation, continue to live above the particular fray. What you find is that they learn those skills. And when they learn those skills, when they start building their own families, they transfer those same skills into those families. And before you know what's happening, they have a legacy. They have something to rest upon. But when you destroy motherhood, when you destroy women, when you destroy the need for women in the family, what you find is that you are not just hurting that family, that immediate family, you are hurting what is called the future of that particular society. Finally, when the women are when the women are properly identified, when they are properly, uh, uh, when they are properly emphasized, the role of women is properly emphasized. What you find is that women become respected, and motherhood is celebrated. What I mean by women is respected. You don't see a man slapping a woman around if that particular man grew up in a family where the father respected the mother. You don't do it. You don't lay your hands upon a woman if you have been raised properly by your mother or by your father. You don't. You don't do it. You respect women and you celebrate women anywhere you find them. But when you women are not properly taught, when women forget that they are women and they start acting like a man and they start behaving anyhow and they don't carry themselves with dignity, what you find is that they diminish themselves. And when you diminish yourself in the presence of your children, what you find is that the children will grow up and they will have no respect for women when they go outside. They have no respect for motherhood when they see it. So, when we, pray, when we emphasize motherhood properly, the children that are looking at us, the future that is being created, will respect women and they will celebrate motherhood. But we cannot celebrate motherhood. We cannot stem the tides of deception. We cannot stop all the lies that is going on about women and motherhood and the family if we do not know what the Bible says about women. If you don't know what the Bible says about women, they can tell you lies about women and you will buy it. If you don't know what the Bible says about the need for mothers, for the need for the family, they will tell you all sorts of things that the Bible diminishes women and you will believe it. Okay? If you, 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 you will not be able to defend the place of women if you are not convinced by the authority of the word of God. If you don't believe that the Bible has the word of life, you will not be able to defend the position of women. You will, if you don't know, if you have no idea of what those people are saying and doing to women, you will not be able to counter those ideas. So, 
What does the Bible say about women? The first thing the Bible tells us in the book of John, Genesis chapter 1, reading from verse number 27, Genesis chapter 5, reading from verse 1 to 2, the Bible tells us that, that the women bears the stamp of God's image. The Bible says that God created man in his own image. See, male and female, he created them. In other words, they are equal in the eyes of the Almighty God. They are made in the image of God. So women are not substandard. Women are not inferior. Women are not lesser being in the eyes of the Almighty God, according to the Bible. Women play an important role in biblical narrative. Women are seen as partners and cherished companions. If you read Genesis chapter 2, reading from verse 20, you will see there. If you read Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14 there, you will see women are treated as equal partners in the household. Women are landowners in the Bible. Uh, Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. Verse 8, sorry. Numbers 27, 18. Women are landowners in the Bible. Women are home administrators in the Bible, in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, reading from verse number 9, you will see it there. Women are, you know, women are, uh, uh, women are supposed, are wise counselors in the Bible. They are the people who encourage, who teach you, who encourage their family, who do, who counsels their husband. If you read the book of Judges chapter 13, reading from verse 23, you will see it there. Not only that, in the social and religious life of Israel and the New Testament church, women are never relegated to the background. They partook in all the feasts and public worship in the days of the scriptures. And that is in Genesis and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16, reading from verse number 14. Women in the Bible are not required to be veiled or silent in public. But if you go to many Eastern religions, if you go to many Eastern culture, that is what you find. Women are not, you know, women are, are, are given the, the responsibility to teach their children. If you read Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8, you will see it there. That women are given the responsibility to teach their children. Wherever the gospel has spread, social, legal, and spiritual status of women have been elevated. When the gospel has been eclipsed by false religion and secular humanism, the status of women has declined accordingly. Those are the things you will see. But if you don't know these things, you will not be able to defend it. If you don't know these things, you will not be able to counter the lies of the enemy. If you don't know these things, the deception of the enemy will continue to go forward. So how then do we replace, how then do we begin to elevate the status of women back in our families, in our churches, and in our community? How then do we do it? We fight it number one. We fight it number one at the kitchen table. What do I mean by fighting it at the kitchen table? When you have the opportunity to communicate with your own children, when you have the opportunity to communicate with the people who are around you, you are able to confront them with the conversations that matter. You are able to tell the next generation and the children the importance of a wife, the importance of mothers, the importance of the family. We fight it, number one, by talking about it at the kitchen table. Number two, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, reading from verse number 2, it says, The things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. In other words, we teach our children right inside the house the importance of motherhood the importance of women in the affairs of the family number two how do we fight to to, to elevate motherhood again we fight it one on one by clarifying truths 
in our circle of influence. When you people you work with, the people you have the opportunity of meeting, the people who respect your opinion, when you have the opportunity to talk to these people, you need to let them know that women are supposed to be in the house. Women, sorry, women are supposed to be a part of a family. They are supposed to be a part of the work. They are supposed to be a part of the glee, of the of the upbringing of their children. They are supposed to be a part of the of the life of the community. They are not supposed to be relegated to the corner. They are not supposed to be competing with one another. You are not competing with the man or competing with the husband or competing with other people. Your idea is to be able to live and elevate the life of the family. So we'll fight it not just when we have conversation in the family at the, at the kitchen table. We also we also fight it by talking one on one to the people that we have influence with. The Bible makes us to understand in First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. Reading from verse number 15. He said, But sanctify the Lord in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason for the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear. In other words, what you believe, Peter is saying, communicate it to people when you have the opportunity. Number three, how do we elevate the position of women? We elevate the position of women by living it in our lives. We fight it through our lives by living, standing, and exemplifying the truth on a daily basis. If I am standing here and I'm telling you the importance of women, I'm standing here and I'm telling you the importance of motherhood, and then I go outside or in my family I'm living, I'm, 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 I'm demeaning the women in my life, or I'm talking bad about the women in my life, or I don't respect the women in my life, I can preach in my face with Tom Blue. It doesn't make any difference anymore because my life does not support my practice. So if we are going to be able to tell the world that women are very important, that motherhood is very important, that we need to be able to respect mothers and put them in their rightful position, we must not just say it, we must live it. And we must practice it by the way we treat the women and the mothers in our lives. And then not only that, in First Peter, in First Timothy chapter 4, First Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. In other words, be an example of the propaganda, be an example of the proponent of motherhood. Be an example of the one who champions motherhood. Say these things and leave them and exemplify them by your own behavior and by your own character. And then finally, how do we lift up the position of women in our culture and in our society? We do so on our knees. We do so on our knees. Through prayer and intercession. Through prayer and intercession. We lift up the society and we say, Lord God Almighty, you need to rescue this country. You need to save the women of this nation. You need to save the mothers of this nation. You need to be able to release your spirit so that Lord Almighty, every heart that has been turned away from motherhood will be restored back again to motherhood. It is when we do this, that is when the nation will be begin to see. That is when our women will begin to influence the next generation. That's when the next generation will have a legacy. We have something to be able to rely upon. The Bible say righteousness exalts a nation but the sin is a reproach to any people unless we go back to the standards of the scriptures that recognize the place and the importance of mothers we risk the chance of forfeiting the blessings of the next generation we risk the chance of robbing the next generation of the stability of a family life and i pray that will not be our testimony in jesus name but one thing i can tell you is this we may want to there are those who believe that we need to fight it in the media. There are those who believe that you need to fight it in the courtroom. But I believe very strongly that the changes that we need to happen in our society concerning the family and concerning women and concerning motherhood should start in the church. And how does it start in the church? It starts with prayer. The preservation of motherhood and family depends upon the church. And it depends on you. It depends on me. The question is, are we willing to be able to take that particular fight into the Lord? 
in on our knees. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.